Hey, everybody. Welcome to LettermanRow.com. I am Jeremy Birmingham. That is Spencer Holbrook. We are Talking Stuff, the Ohio State Recruiting Podcast, brought to you by our good friends at Byers Automotive. Uh, as always, Spencer and I talk about Buckeyes football recruiting. I mean, I guess sometimes we could talk about like basketball recruiting or other kind of recruiting, but not really because people generally would prefer to hear about football recruiting. And that's what we do. Uh, you know, it is Spencer, as we have prefaced a number of shows with over the last few months, uh, a very weird time in recruiting right now. The dead period extended through January 1st, at least. We have seen in the last few days a handful of 2021 and 2022 recruits starting to kind of trumpet this uh, end the dead period hashtag on Twitter and other social media platforms trying to get people to understand that. Uh, these kids have not been able to visit a school in nine months, and how are they supposed to sign anywhere uh, in two months? So uh, it, it's a weird time for everyone. It's a weird time for us trying to cover recruiting. So today, Spencer and I are just going to peel back the curtain, just a skosh. We're going to talk stuff about whatever stuff you people out there on uh, the Twitter world are curious about. Hello, Twitter world. It's me, yours truly. Um, that's an O.J. Simpson reference for those of you who don't pay attention to Twitter. It's not really that funny because O.J.'s a murderer, but, like, whatever. Um, I mean, I mean I'm mean, i killing this let's show. Get, let's get to the questions. I'm killing this show, but that's totally different. Um, no, <laughs> let's, let's be um, – we're just going to take some questions because there's not a lot of uh, tangible – stuff happening right now with Ohio State recruiting that we haven't already talked about ad nauseum on last show about JT uh, Tuomalau and Emeka Abuka and, and Zed Malkowski and those sort of things. So we're just going to dive into your questions. Um, I have not heard these questions or read these questions. Spencer, can you attest to that? This is all completely brand new information to me. It is brand new information. I did not share with you a version of the form where you could see the questions and I did not share with you any questions beforehand. He did want to. I said, no, I wanted this to be unlike a political forum where I have all the uh, time in the world to prepare answers. I want it to be <laughs> rapid fire. Bing, bing. All right. Pew, pew. Let's hit it. All right, bring... What's the first question, right. Spencer? Brian. I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but it's Brian with a Y. Oh, okay. Because that's the way he's... Oh, never mind. That was a just keep going. Uh, with Myers and Davis headed to the NFL, Harry Miller moving to center probably in 2021, and both guard spots vacant. What are the odds that Donovan Jackson could possibly start as a true freshman? Now, this is not a recruiting question as much as it's a question of is Donovan Jackson good enough to come in yeah. and start? So I'm gonna, you know I'll, better than I do. Yeah, let's start there. Um, in the fact that Ohio State had this circumstance happen in the class of 2016, right? When Michael Jordan had to come in and start as a true freshman, that was an anomaly. So like, I don't think people should expect that to happen with Donovan Jackson, but Donovan Jackson is very likely the best offensive lineman in the country in the class of 2021. And if he was a traditional tackle size, if he was like that six foot seven, 310 pounder, like Paris Johnson was, he would be what we would talk about as like a generational type offensive line talent, like Walker Little from the same high school as him, uh, like Paris Johnson. Uh, he is good enough to play as a true freshman. I guess the question here ultimately is, what type of step does Enoch Bamahi take? What type of step does Matthew Jones take in the next year? 
Um, because it's not about whether or not Donovan Jackson is good enough to play as a freshman. It's about whether or not the other guys aren't developed enough uh, to hold him off, I think. And the other question well, is, as a guy who's not going to enroll early, how far behind is he if he enrolls in June um, to, to be able to enroll and, and get ready to play by next September? And, you know, the headliners aren't in that too deep, uh, aren't in the second uh, part of the two deep right now where you've got Matthew Jones, you've got Enoch Ramahi, but you've also got like, you've got Luke Whipler. Like, like that's a talented kid who could do the guard to center transition eventually in his career. So I think it, it'd be interesting to see if Donovan Jackson could make up for that lost time and come in right away, but I wouldn't yeah. count on it. I mean, as somebody who knows the team more than I know the recruiting side, I wouldn't count on it because I think Enoch Vamahi has drawn incredible praise for what he's been able to do. I think Matthew Jones is a candidate that is going to work hard this year again and continue to make stride. And then I think Luke Whipler is a guy who's as who's just as smart as Harry Miller and can be the cerebral guy that plays goes from guard to center eventually. I think it'd be yeah. hard for Jackson to come in and start right away. And there are a lot of other guys like Josh Fryer, who I, you guys know I'm a big fan of, um, you know, developing players like Jacob Jenks, who has a ton of offensive line in his family. That He's a really well-coached young player. Obviously has some physical development to do, but – if you're if you're relying on true freshman offensive linemen, you have a problem, and Ohio State does not have that problem. That does not mean that Donovan Jackson uh, won't start as a freshman because he is extremely good. But offensive line is a position where if you're relying on true freshmen to start, your problems are bigger than how good that player is. I think if that makes sense. Like Paris Johnson is one of the best offensive tackle prospects in the last twenty years is not going to start as a true freshman. And he's been on campus for almost a year by the time that he gets an opportunity to play. We're talking about two or three months for Donovan Jackson. Let's also remember that, that he'll be uh, blocking for a uh, presumable redshirt freshman quarterback or technically just freshman quarterback because these guys don't have to count this year. So I think that's something important to remember because Ohio State might want to put more experience on that line next year, starting a, yeah. a young quarterback. Agreed. Next question. Bang. Uh, the next question is from Eduardo. Oh, I know. Um, how many offensive linemen did the Buckeyes end up with this year? Well, that's what I wrote about on the, the Thursday afternoon recruiting question of the day is where things currently sit with the offensive line at Ohio State. And it's a little bit uh, peculiar because, you know, what we saw was the early commitment of Ben Christman followed up shortly by the commitment of Donovan Jackson and you sort of thought with the focus that was being paid on J.C. Latham and Jagger Burton that, hey, all of a sudden you had like a chance to be a, a really, really good offensive line class. And now with the last few months, things have sort of slowed down. We've lost out on J.C. Latham, Jagger Burton, Rocco Spindler, Garrett Dellinger. All these guys are gone. There's still a push for Tristan Lee. And I think Ohio State is riding third in that battle right now behind LSU and Oklahoma. But. Um, there is no reason to be optimistic for a Buckeyes fans at this point, unless Tristan comes out and says, I absolutely am not making a decision until I get to Ohio State. Um, and unless that relationship really takes off again, like it did uh, in the early part of the summer, I don't think the Buckeyes can get back in there. Him and his family made back-to-back -back weekend visits to Baton Rouge in the last couple of weeks, despite the fact that they're not allowed to talk to coaches while they're there, whatever. Um, Went to Oklahoma. Like, there's no such plan for that to happen at Ohio State. Uh, Zen Malkowski is a player we have talked about. The um, uh, Louisville commitment down near Louisville, 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 Louisville. Louisville. 
Um, he's down there in the, in Floyd's 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 Knob, Indiana. I, that name trips me up. I apologize. Um, it, he's a guy that uh, I do think will end up in the Ohio State class. So I'm going to pencil him in right now as the third, and he's a four-star prospect that the Buckeyes really like. I've actually had someone uh, compare him to Nick Petit Frere coming out of the high school, um, which if you are uh, looking at the big picture, Nick Petit Frere was the number one ranked offensive lineman in the country coming out of high school in 2018. So the fact that Ohio State does view uh, Mikulski very highly um, doesn't change his national ranking, and it maybe it's you know looking at it through scarlet-colored glasses, but they do like him quite a bit. And then, like, you wonder, with Ohio high school football starting right now, you we've talked about players like Terrence Rankle at Maslin. Um, there are a lot of offensive linemen in the state committed to Division One programs, a couple are going to Kentucky, West Virginia, Pitt. Uh, I, I think the Buckeyes are going to continue to watch those that small group of players very closely, players that they would have had a chance to see this summer if there were uh, in-person camps and evaluations that had been done, and maybe things would be – further along with those players than they are now, but they're watching. And I think the goal is still to finish with four in this class. But uh, I think right now it's safe to bet on three. All right. With Malkowski being the next one. Okay. Um, Elijah Armstrong asks, who is the realistic target for quarterback in the 2022 class? Also, will it be difficult for the Ohio State University? He said TOSU to land a highly rated quarterback prospect because the Buckeyes pass recruiting classes. I mean, it shouldn't be. Ohio State is Ohio State. It doesn't stop Alabama every year from getting a four- or five-star quarterback. It doesn't stop Clemson from doing it. Um, the Buckeyes are, are going to need to recruit a player, I think, that um, yeah, you can feel more comfortable being a developmental-type player than somebody because you have C.J. Stroud and Jack Miller and Kyle McCord uh, – and those three are all, you know, highly, highly ranked kids, uh, even if Miller's ranking slipped towards the end of his senior season a little bit. But between those three, you wonder how long all of them will be on campus, right? Like that's a natural presumption. You're talking about quarterback position, the ever-changing world of college football. It seems unlikely to me that by the time the 22 quarterback arrives that McCord – Miller and Stroud will all be on campus. It seems I would, were I a betting man, bet that one of them would make a decision to head somewhere else. That's, I'm not going to place bets on who it is. I just think that the odds are pretty high that someone transfers out of that group by the time the 22 quarterback arrives. The reality here, there are quarterbacks in Ohio, like Chase Harrison at Centerville and Drew Eller at uh, uh, Medina, who are, Players who, if you went after them and offered them a scholarship now, um, you might get a, a commitment, secure it, lock it up, and then you figure those kids would be in the program for three or four or five years, which you do need. Like, you can't always have the guy that's three and out. Like, if you do that, you're going to leave these gaps that Ohio State's found itself looking at when Joe Burrow left after three years and, you know, Tate Martell left after two years and Dwayne Haskins left after three years. And now we're looking at two years with Justin Fields. All of a sudden you have these holes in the roster, but that is because the rosters have changed and these quarterbacks know they don't have to sit for four years. So, um, you know, realistic names, I think Drew Aller is one. He's kind of my personal favorite in Ohio. I just like his size a little better than I like 
the Chase Harrison, who I think is probably a little bit more complete of a quarterback right now, but I think Aller's upside may be a little higher. Uh, and I, I think there is a real shot that Ohio State can be involved in the recruitment of Malik Murphy in California. He's He's got to be up near the top of the list, but I don't want to sound like a broken record, Spencer, but nobody's seen anybody throw the football. So how do you know? I mean, Malik Murphy, as highly ranked as he is, is out in California. They're not playing football until next spring or, or until January. Nobody's seen him play as a, as a junior in high school. You don't know how much he really played as a sophomore or what his level of competition was. Nobody's got to see him throw in person. Nobody's got to see him come to campus. Like, it's a crapshoot, and I, I think – we're going to find out real quick. And in, in the last week, uh, 247 Sports released their top 30 player or top 30 staff members under the age of 30 around college football. And Corey Dennis was on that list. And we're going to find out real, real quick. Like if Corey Dennis is as good a recruiter as people around the Buckeyes program think he is, because he's going to have his work cut out for him. Uh, certainly, he's going to have the ability to point to Justin Fields and say, I coached this guy. But if you were a quarterback coming into the Ohio State program behind C.J. Stroud or Jack Miller and Kyle McCord, you know, you're going to need some assurances that you're going to be developed even if you're not playing, right? Yeah, for sure. I agree. So I don't know. I mean, who's realistic? At this point, everybody's realistic except for Quinn Ewers and Gunnar Stockton. And those were two of the top three players on Ohio State's board when this whole thing started to unwind. Uh, Gunner Stockton is committed to South Carolina. Quinn Ewers is committed to Texas. So those guys are off the board. Anyone, I mean, it's Ohio State. But it, there is going to come a decision where they have to balance whether or not they want a uh, developmental program type guy that's going to be there, you know, four or five years, um, or if they're going to take just one. And then, then you have the other questions, like if Jack Miller or C.J. Stroud or Kyle McCord ends up not being on the roster – do you take two in 22? Do you take two in 23? Like, do you just keep playing the transfer portal every year? The, I mean, the game is changing, and, and because it's changing so much recruiting, especially a quarterback, is changing with it. All right, we got a couple of rapid fires here, Burn, because we've oh, got yeah. quite, quite a few questions to get to. Um, Ryan wants to know, which current recruit is most likely to become a captain first? Which current commitment? Uh yeah. They did not specify. So I'm going to say uh, C.J. Hicks because they didn't specify 2021. I'm going to say C.J. Hicks definitely in the class of 2022 has that uh, sort of DNA about him. In the class of 2021, I think you have a handful of kids who are just super good kids. I mean, you, you have different levels of, of leadership among everyone. Uh, I think that Ben Crispin, Evan Pryor, Travion Henderson, the way that he handles himself as a, as a young man is incredibly impressive. Kyle McCord as a quarterback is as cool and calm and collected as you can find. Uh, Jack Sawyer obviously is a, a leader in, of, of his team. Um, you know, but Reed Carrico, those guys, they're all just hard-nosed kids who put their nose down and really kind of grind, and that's what's going to get you to that sort of level. Um, if I had to pick one in the class of 2021 – I guess I would pick Carrico because I think that as a linebacker, they sort of have to be the leaders of, of your team. And, uh, you know, the quarterback side, I guess I'd pick, uh, you know, Kyle McCord because, again, quarterback has to be the leader. And, you know, I, I, there are players like Marvin Harrison and Jaden Ballard who are a little bit 
more private reserved. I don't know that you can always do that when you're a, a captain. So I, the, all I'll say is this, Spencer, these are some really damn good kids. The, the class is loaded with them. Donovan Jackson, great kid. Ben Chrisman, incredible leader and recruiter. Um, it, it, it's, it's hard to pick a, a player and then be like, well, you know what? That guy isn't really leader material. You don't go to Ohio State if you're not among the leaders and the best. All right. I don't know what that was for. All right. Oh, yeah. Um, we got a question about the dead period uh, re being revisited and seeing if they don't – we don't think the dead period is going to be, like, lifted, do we? I don't see it happening. I mean, the reality is, and this is where I think there's there's a slight disconnect between the programs and then the recruits, is that these schools have fought tooth and nail to get on the football field this fall. And so to accomplish that, you have to make sacrifices during this season. And I don't think that most of the programs around the country, let's Alabama, Clemson, for example, if they host recruits during a game day visit and one of those recruits has COVID-19 and then it spreads it to a host and then the host spreads it to his teammates and then you lose or a, a game or you get a week or two canceled because of the inability to field a team because you had an official visit, is it worth it? And especially in a time when 95% of the kids you're recruiting are already committed to your school. So I just don't think it's worth it for the schools to really advocate too loudly for this to happen. I get why the players want it to, and I feel terrible for the class of 21 because they've been put in a very, very bad position here by no fault of their own. But schools are going to have to adjust and adapt. And what you're going to see when game days come around at Ohio State is the Buckeyes doing virtual visits with kids leading up to the game. So it'll be all Saturday morning, right? They'll be in the team meetings on the videos. They'll be uh, doing the walkthrough on FaceTime. They'll be doing all this stuff to try to make up for what they're missing. But the tr simple truth here is I don't think that the schools really want kids to come visit because it could potentially compromise the security of the, of the bubble that they're trying to create. And that's, that's not worth it when you're playing for a national championship. But I don't think they're going to lift it until January. Berm, I called these rapid fire. Come on, let's go. Oh, my, my uh, apologies. <laughs> Megan Little wants to know, when will Ibuka commit? And is Ohio State still leading for JT? Uh, we'll start backwards. I believe that the old Buckeyes are still the favorite for JT to allow. I, I wrote about that earlier this week. Uh, as far as Emeka Abuka, there is no timeline and there hasn't been a timeline. He's going to commit when he's ready. Um, there are some people around the Ohio State program who think that could be within like the next month or two, but there are others who think this might go till February because Emeka is an extremely um, uh, conscious kid. He's understanding the 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 hugeness of the situation and he's not hurrying himself and he won't hurry himself and nobody else is going to hurry him either. So um, I think it's one of those situations where he's going to wake up one day and be like, Hey, you know what? Ohio state's been my favorite for a year and a half. Nothing's going to change. Let's go. And uh, if that happens, it could happen tomorrow. It could happen a month from now. It could happen December. All right. Freddie, Freddie says your Pantone or day. No, Freddie. We are Spencer and Burn. Uh, who are you trying to, to target to flip? It doesn't have to be a high probability or anything. Just who would you target? So he says, your Pantone or Day, who would you flip? And then I said, no, we are Spencer and Burn. We are not Pantone or Day. Okay, so 
what we're going with here is who in the country would I try to flip if were I in charge of Ohio State recruiting? Yes. So that's the, that's the gist of the situation. I think the offensive line is the biggest hole on this team right now. Um, but I would still say that my choice would be Demetrius Robinson, the defensive end uh, heading to Maryland, because I think we have the same answer. Because Damian. to me, Damian, not Demetrius, I apologize. Demetrius Robinson's a player at Georgia. Um, Damian Robinson to me is the guy that takes this class. And especially if you add a guy like JT to him allow, like, He's the guy that takes the defensive line class and turns it to a whole nother level when you pair up him with Jack Sawyer and then you have a guy like Tuomalau and Michael Hall in the middle playing, being able to play the one three five. Um, that's the guy. On offense, to me, it's got to be J.C. Latham. Obviously, he's the only one that really makes sense because they, they were in such a good position for him for so long um, and then things just fell apart when, when circumstances changed in his life. So... Uh, that's uh, that's the pair for me, without question. Yeah, do you think Ohio State has a chance to, to still go after Damian Robinson, considering Maryland's no. going to be on the football field? No, I mean, I, I think that certainly they're going to allow themselves the opportunity to give a phone call and say, hey, what do you want to be a part of? But Maryland's done a good job of convincing kids that uh, Larry Johnson isn't that good of a coach somehow. Like that's that's <laughs> been the, That's been their pitch, like, it's not that he's a good coach. It's that he has good players. So why, you know, you could come here and we can make you a good player despite no evidence of that, but whatever. So um, that's sort of what they've done. He's a hometown kid uh, and they're, they're making a major push to try to keep everyone in Maryland home. And again, as I've said before, Mike Loxley spent some time in the SEC. He's uh, become a very uh, proficient recruiter when it comes to getting the guys that he really, 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 really wants. Uh, and Damian Robinson is one of those guys that he really, 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 really wants. All right. Steven Ferguson asks, thoughts on Marcus Allen to Ohio State? Is that it? That's all question? Oh. He also – it was it was a two-part question. Um, I was going to let okay. you answer the first part. I, I don't think it's going to happen uh, unless Emeka Abuka decides he's going somewhere else. I don't think the Buckeyes are in a position where they're going to take four receivers in this class. So if Emeka Abuka is still uncommitted, he is the focus. The Buckeyes will continue to build a relationship with Marcus Allen, who recently decommitted from Michigan. Uh, and is a player they really like. I actually had somebody in the Buckeyes program compare him to G. Scott, uh, to me. So they think he's a really good player. Uh, but Emeka Abuka is the focus at wide receiver. And until that is out, I don't see Marcus Allen being in unless – there is a, a shift or um, departures from the current wide receiver group that they're not expecting. All right. Um, anonymous asks, Oh, I don't know. Wow. We, we got a question from anonymous. Thank you for your Thanks support. For listening. Yeah. We are. Anonymous. Do you think, do you think Jack Sawyer or JT Toy Malal will start their freshman year? Assuming JT commits. Now, I mean, it's different as opposed to uh, the offensive line where we're talking about Donovan Jackson and why it's not really a good thing if you have a guy like that starting uh, as a true freshman. On the defensive side of the ball, you just put your best 11 guys out there and you let them go hit the quarterback. And you, you have that rotation on the defensive line that doesn't really matter. Next year, conceivably, Ohio State could lose Tyreek Smith and uh, Johnson Cooper is definitely gone. Then you don't know what happens with Tyler Friday. Uh, you don't know what happens with Javante Jean-Baptiste, like just how much better those guys get if they go out and have a huge year. They can go 
Uh, defensive end is a position of need for Ohio State. Uh, Jack Sawyer is super good, super good. And JT Tumalau is unbelievably good as well. I think they could both be in the two deep from the minute they step on campus. Um, I give Sawyer the edge to play early because he's on the edge uh, of the defense and he's enrolling early. So he'd have at least, um, you know, the springtime to really learn things. But well, and what I'll say about that is like, Zach Harrison was also a, you know, a transcendent talent along the defensive line and he didn't really, he didn't, he's pretty raw, but he's a, a unbelievable talent. Right, and there's a difference. And he, what, and he didn't Jack Sawyer start. is far more polished than Zach Harrison was coming out of high school. Zach Harrison is a uh, was a very high ceiling, very like uh, freaky athlete, great kid. Jack Sawyer is a much better football player right now than Zach Harrison was as a senior. But Zach Harrison, even you know, he made an impact. I think he had three or four sacks last year. Yeah, he, he uh, one great. in the big one in the Big Ten Big Ten title game, and he played a lot against Clemson. And he didn't even start as a freshman. So uh, and Zach Harrison kind of was so much better. Zach Harrison, and, and I'm I can only say this from a, somebody who watched him play in high school a few times. Like the difference between Zach Harrison and and I'll just if if Maryland football is listening. If you don't believe that Larry Johnson is a is a great coach, you need to go back and watch Zach Harrison in high school. Okay, you knew what he could eventually be with the right coach, and there's a reason Zach Harrison picked Larry Johnson in Ohio State. The difference in the player that Larry Johnson brought in and the player that Zach Harrison now is is light years apart, night and day. Jack Sawyer, as a sophomore, was a better football player than Zach Harrison as a senior in high school. Okay. Upside wise, Zach Harrison may be uh, ahead of Jack because Jack's, but Jack's uh, floor is higher, I guess is the best way to put it. Jack's floor is higher. Zach's ceiling is higher. Right. But the, the reality is Jack is a much better player than Zach Harrison was coming out of high school. Jack is a Bosa type player coming into college. Okay, and so like you saw guys like Chase, and it's crazy to talk about all these five-star crazy defensive ends, but Chase Young was a really, really good player uh, coming out of DeMatha uh, and an exceptional athlete, okay? So I think the best comparison for someone like Jack Sawyer is more of a Bosa or a Chase Young because he's a polished pass rusher and a polished player and physically He's six foot five, two hundred and fifty-five, two hundred and sixty pounds right now. He's gonna come in far more physically ready to play than Zach Harrison did. Does that mean he's so, gonna start? I'm not gonna say he's gonna start, but I, I'm gonna say I'm not gonna be surprised if if both him and JT Tumalau, no matter where Tumalau ends up playing his college football, is gonna be in the two deep. He's just too good. He's just too athletic at his size, six foot five, two hundred and eighty-five pounds. Look up JT Two Malau's basketball clips. That guy's going to play. He's going to play a lot. And if you just look at look at the natural progression of the Ohio State roster, you could lose Tyreek Smith. You could lose Tommy Tommy Togiai. You could lose you could lose Haskell Garrett. You could lose you know Ger- even like Jerron Cage, a guy at the bottom of the depth chart. Mm-hmm. Like all of these guys have like are going to probably leave. And oh, so yeah, for sure, you're going to have next year 
Zach Harrison, Javante Jean-Baptiste, a couple other defensive ends, Tyler Friday, and Jack Sawyer. Yeah, so, then you got the young guys. You got the other guys that are unproven, like Darian Henry, uh, like uh, Noah Potter. Jacoby so, Cowan. Jacoby Cowan. I, I think that the opportunity is there for – hell, I'm, I'll throw Michael Hall in that mix. Michael Hall is a bad man. Like, watch his <laughs> – Michael Hall is a bad man. Like, watch him on tape. He broke his hand. He's out for the next couple of weeks. But if you watch this film from this early part of this football, like, ooh, I'm telling you, don't sleep on him either. Like, this is a group – and that's why it's so important for Larry Johnson to finish it with someone like Tua Malau because there, there's some dangerous things that can happen with that group. Andy can, carry the, Andy can carry the ball. I saw Michael Hall run a touchdown. Yeah, good. and Tyleek Williams. Tyleek Williams is really good. I mean, it's a very good group. Very good. Um, so I don't think I've ever asked you this, and we're done with the Q&A, but I have one more Q and you have one more A, presumably. I got, I got an A for you. Let's hear it. I've never asked you. I don't need an Ohio State comparison, but if you had a comparison for Jack Sawyer, go ahead and give me one. And like I said, it doesn't have to be an Ohio State comparison. I don't want you to compare him to, to JJ Watt, but like I'm saying, like it doesn't uh, need it, to just be. No, Ohio it's Joey Bosa. It's it's Joey Bosa though. I mean, that's the right comparison because. Let me say this in a way, and it sounds stupid because like the Bosa's come from an NFL first round pick father, NFL first round pick uncle, like they are so rare. They played at one of the best high schools in the country. Like everything they did let you know what they're going to be. I think that Jack Sawyer, if he stays healthy, and that's always a big thing for these kids, right? Jack Sawyer is like Nick Bosa approach in Joey Bosa body, if that makes any sense. Okay, like he's that sort of combination type player. And I, I don't I think he's going to be too good to keep off the field, especially because for the first time in his life, he's going to be around and playing with a bunch of other dudes who can play football just as well as he can. Right. So I don't want to cut you off, but if he we're doing some projecting on him now, and, and this is actually a good conversation to have when it comes to Ohio State recruiting, if he is. Like, if he is his ceiling by the time he goes to the NFL, is he the kind of guy where, unless there's a quarterback at the top, number one pick? I don't know. I mean, uh, the, the athleticism – Because that's what Joey was. That's what Joey was. Well, if yeah, there wasn't Joey, quarterbacks at the top, Joey was the number one pick. Well, I mean, Joey went, what, four or three? He went three because he went – Oh, Nick went, Nick went two, right? Yeah. Nick, Nick went two. Um if he can stay healthy and do the right things, and I don't see why not. I mean, he is – he's not going to go out there and run a 4-4-5. Four, four, I mean, he's going to be a 4-6 guy, but so is Nick. Um, you know, it's about turning what we see now into the ceiling and hitting the ceiling because what Jack reminds me of is sort of a lot of these guys over the years that have gone to Alabama, um, guys that they're kind of maxed out as far as their physical talent when they get to campus and then they just refine that skill. And then, um, so you may not see him take like the huge leap that we saw with Chase Young, for example, like Chase needed to finish out uh, his body. He came in a little skinny. Zach Harris said, we haven't seen what he's really going to end up being yet. If with a guy like Jack, by the time he plays a snap at Ohio state, he's going to be, 
six foot five, 275 pounds, right? So it's not like he's going to continue to get bigger or he, what he's going to do is have to learn how to play with his body and learn how to play as his body is a different style. Um, but what I don't know that he can get infinitely better than he is now, if that makes any sense. Like, that's why I think of the Barris, the Bosa's are a better comparison. Those guys were who they were from the minute they walked on campus. And then it was just about refining and, and technique. And so that's where Jack has such a unique advantage because he's had three years of working with Larry Johnson already because he lives so close and he's been able to camp with him multiple times in summers and he can call him and, and watch film with him. And, you know, these things that you just couldn't really do six, seven years ago that you can do now. So, I mean, it's a lot of expectations on Jack and, and I think people should go back and read one of the most recent stories we wrote about him. He wants that. He wants to be that guy. And I think that that is a, a major piece of the puzzle for a young kid like that, because so many kids shy away from expectation. And Jack is someone who is going to absolutely run headfirst into it. So I don't know. I, I think a combination of Nick and Joey Bosa, if that's, if that's a good enough player for you. So anyway, let's wrap that up. So after this went longer than I thought it was going to, uh, that's Spencer Holbrook. I'm Jeremy Birmingham. This has been Talking Stuff, the Ohio State Recruiting Podcast, brought to you by Letterman Row and our good friends at Byers Automotive. If you're looking for an auto, go to Byers Auto. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Please check us out next time. We're on YouTube, iTunes, all the other tunes uh, and tubes that you can find. So thanks for watching. See you next time.